and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're full season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. This week we look forward to the visit of Exeter Chiefs to Ashton Gate on Friday night for our last home game of the season. We give our thoughts on team selection and our result predictions. We also talk about Mark Tainton's departure as CEO at the end of the season. And there's a Telegraph article about Bristol's training methods that we'll also talk about. We also want to give a shout out for recent women's results ahead of their playoff semi-final. And there's an opportunity for listeners to get involved with some research about the female side of the game. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, great to uh, see you both after our two week break. Uh, it's Sunday evening and we're at Pete's place uh, recording tonight. Pete, how are you, fella? When you answered the door, now your your hobble has got worse. Have you have you injured uh, yourself further? Well, I know we've tried. We've said already we want to try and keep the pod a bit shorter tonight, Tone. But <laughs> as people know, I've got a bit of a bad knee. But I did. I have got that sorted in the sense I've actually had an MRI scan and I've got a follow up appointment this Thursday. But last Wednesday I was playing softball. And I was taking it easy because I, you know, realised that uh, you know I've I've got a bad knee, but you know we were desperate for players. Taking it easy, hit what looked like one of the biggest home runs I've ever hit in my life. Running from second to third base, little bit of a trip. Neve gave way, hamstring popped. Oh, <laughs> oh, mate, I was the. I don't know. People who are out there who've done their hamstring will know. Well, obviously Tom Whiteley, Andy Arendt, <laughs> all those out there will know. Uh, how blooming painful a hamstring pull is and I hit the deck like I'd been hit by a sniper and there I mean the first minute I was on that deck I was thinking ambulance second minute I was thinking I don't think I'm going to get home tonight because who's going to drive the car third minute I was thinking with everything I've got getting on in my life I've got cricket coaching I've got work I'm a teacher I'm on my feet all the time I was thinking my whole life is like disaster here I cannot be immobile so uh, yeah it was a bit of a week and then uh, luckily I managed to, to get someone to drive my car home did a lot of icing uh, a lot of uh, ice and then heat and it and it was it's kind of got better but I've also got to give a big big shout out to Miles I know we take the mickey out of him sometimes but <laughs> when I got home uh, my other the other issue was my other half was away in business overnight so I stuck I had the two girls with me and I realized that the youngest had a school trip and was supposed to have a packed lunch for the next day no food in the house the plan had been to go to Tesco on the way back so I, I was desperate so I rang Miles at about half past nine at night and the lad went to Aldi for me and bought some food and brought it around on a voice scooter. <laughs> it was my own private delivery. So Miles really helped me out last week. I'm very, very grateful to him. Uh, but yeah, mate, it's been a... I am... I am uh, I'm all over the place with my health at the moment. I've got to say. <laughs> well, Miles, you are the hero. Well, the absolutely, he's a, a hero. He's I, came, hero. I came to the rescue on my uh, shiny boy scooter with sandwiches, crisps, and some fruit for Pete's daughter. But there we go. He, he was he was hobbling a little bit less when I arrived on the door. I did sympathise with him. He was sympathetic, but, but then mocked him a little for uh, <laughs> getting a soft another softball injury. Mm. Anyhow, yeah, tough old game that, isn't it? Hey, <laughs> tough old game. <laughs> How are you then, Miles? What have you been up to during uh, the, the pod break? I've uh, a little, not quite a little bit of Lady Godiva. I've been to Coventry this weekend. Uh, with my clothes on, I might add. Uh, yeah, we did you go of your own free will or were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I went out there. Uh, we had a, a, a belated uh, university friends meet-up. Uh, me and three of my best mates met up for a little weekend in Coventry of all places. Well, it was easiest for us to get to. One from Leeds, Bristol and London. Um, London. Lovely weekend out walking in the beautiful countryside in the Midlands. Bit of culture as well. Uh, visiting... Coventry, a lot of uh, old cathedrals there. A pub dating back to 1451, so we, we obviously had to take in a, 
Yeah, and they're having a fantastic curry, as you might find in the Midlands. So, a little bit tired this morning, but a delightful weekend. Wasn't there? Wasn't Coventry Cathedral bombed by the flight It was. The, yeah. the, the, the shell is still there. It's uh, without roof, and they've built a spanking, well, not spanking, but something I believe in the 60s was built next door to it. So, there's two cathedrals next door to each other. Wow, look at that. All, all, all the information <laughs> that our, our <laughs> listeners didn't need, know. I they, recommend a weekend in Coventry they needed in their life and uh, 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 no Lee today he's stuck in Lou in the Lou no Lou in Cornwall <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's uh, had a weekend down there so he's travelling back and couldn't make it well chaps it's the last home game of the season Friday the 20th of May 7.45pm kickoff. Bristol Bears versus Exeter Chiefs um, and before we talk maybe uh, about what we think the team selections might be, I think it's interesting just to pause for reflection. I mean, normally at this time of the season with two games to go, Exeter are resting a host of players because they're either first or second in the league. But uh, they find themselves sixth uh, on 62 points, Gloucester fifth on 67 and Saints fourth on 68. So they're six points behind uh, getting into the playoffs and very interestingly Wasps uh, on 60 points so just two points behind or in ninth place so actually Exeter have got a lot to play for not only to try and get themselves into the playoffs but also to keep a Champions Cup place for next season so with that in mind Pete how do you think Bristol are going to approach this game <laughs> Exeter, Exeter have had yeah. a nice rest and two yeah. weeks rest since they're European um they're going to be going for it, aren't oh, they? Yeah, I mean, I think we, to answer your question about how Bristol are going to approach it, I think Bristol will have to make the assumption that Exeter are going to come fully loaded. I mean, they, they have to. They they need to get five points to give themselves, get themselves in the right position for the last game of the season. We know that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they get what they want because other results may go against them, but they definitely need to get five to be there, to be in it. So this is a big dilemma. Uh, you know, it's very hard... I, it's, it's a dilemma I'd like to think Pat is having to think long and hard about is is does he risk certain players who um, you know may be semi-injured we don't know but might be considered our bigger players should he play the big players because that's what the fans the fans go to see or should he kind of uh, you know should he mix it up a bit and, and use the opportunity to blood a couple of players that we know are staying next season or are going to stay next season but haven't had much game time I suspect it will be a bit of mix and match um, you know, I think he's got a bit of a a responsibility to the fans to 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 put a decent side out. It's the last home game. It's going to be the one where we say goodbye to people. You know, nobody wants to see us turned over um, at home like we have been a couple of times. So I think from a pride point of view, and I think from the fact that um, you know that that we we are owed a little bit at home I, I'd pr- probably go out actually and change my mind from my saying a mix and match I think we may go out with with one of the strongest teams that we sides that we can put out just just to make it a competition and of course sorry last thing is just of course you know we still got a bit of pride mm-hmm. it's a derby mm-hmm. we don't want to just give X to the chance to, to do well we may be up there with them next year so so I'd say yeah so I'd say quite strong yeah, and of course, not not a great season. I'm sure the marketing department are looking at season ticket sales and saying to uh, maybe the coaching team, actually, boys, if you could pull off a uh, a local derby win, that might help convince a few people to uh, get their season tickets. Miles, um, we had Charles Piertal was due to play, and then pulled out with a groin strain yeah. from the Leicester game. Uh, Carl Sinclair obviously had a bit of a dodgy back um, we've seen pictures I think on Instagram of him in the gym this week um, specifically around those two who we believe are both staying for next season would you play them in a game uh, as Peach just said that actually do we want to go and put a really good account of ourselves for the end of the season and risk maybe an injury or do you think we should wrap them up in cotton wool now and uh, unwrap them sometime in mid-July? Uh, I think the former. I mean, I don't want to go down on Friday evening along with thousands of Bristol fans and see sort of half-hearted display of our sort of second-string team. I mean, we were discussing before the pod, we believe that the, 
the crowd numbers this Friday night, uh, the ticket sales have been pretty good by all account, the amount of blacked out seats there are. Um, we've heard from the club, I think, this week that they've been proud to announce there's been 8,500 season ticket holders, which has surprised me somewhat. Wait, isn't there, haven't they put that? I, I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? No. Well, I don't know where I got that sum from. I thought I'd seen 8,500, which I thought was particularly high. Yeah. Based like I might withdraw that comment, but I'll check again. Based based on our performance <laughs> you, this season. You keep talking about yeah, so yeah. start Googling now, right? Go on, go on, and hence you're right. If we were ever gonna reach a dizzy heights of ten thousand last season, this is our last opportunity to do so. So the market department, yes I agree with you, T C we need some big players out there. We need some of our most expensive players. We know obviously a lot are still injured, but like you said, Kyle's been training. Piatau wasn't far off the last match. Uh, my feeling is we play these guys. We've got the whole summer to rest them. Next week, uh, clearly we're going to sail with nothing to play for. We don't know if Sale are going to have something to play for then. And this is the last home game of the season. So I think a big crowd and a big team is required. Yeah, well, uh, Pete's tapping away there on his uh, on his iPad to try and verify your eight and a half thousand claim. Um, so just 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 thinking about uh, team selection then, Miles. Um, against Leicester, we started with Woolmore, Thacker, Afoa, Joyce, Vui, Luatua, Jeffries, and Harding in the pack. What uh, what do you see? You know, who, who do you see maybe coming in or dropping out from that that lineup? Um, I guess we don't quite know because we've had two weeks off. Where we are with injuries? I mean, the last time I saw Jan Thomas, he wasn't even training down at the at the open training session. Mm. Um, so I'd like to see him back. Um, for, you know, maybe instead of Jake Woolmore, I think Thacker. You know. Has put himself in that number one position as hooker. I think he's playing fantastically well. Number one, for uh, number two, number one for number two, indeed. Yeah, um, first choice, and yeah, I mean, a foe has been great, but I think if Sinclair is fit, I think he's got to come in um, on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I think ideally, if Jan Thomas Stacker and, and Sinclair, if not, we've obviously got the option of Jake Walmore, who's, who's been okay. You know, he's been improving. I think with the more game time he's had. Second row, um, I didn't know, I don't know quite where we were with Atwood and injury, because um, he has played, doesn't he, the last few, even for some of the game, or not? Well, well I mean, I, I, I believe he's fit, and you would think, with this being his last home game with a Bristol Bears shirt, I know, you know, we, we don't have to win this game, nothing's riding on it for us, but no. you would think Dave Atwood is going to feature somewhere Indeed. in the in the 23 if not the 15 so I, I think he might start you're right so I think the local boys this last home game of the season of Atwood and Joyce would be ideal real real uh, crowd pleaser um, and then in the back row well it's difficult to know isn't it I mean you know Lua Two has come back fit it would appear oh I Ooh. saw him yesterday this morning he looking walking right? his dog there on the downs and I was driving and he looked very he looked very, very lively looked very lively and, and, and Steve <laughs> So, I, you know, yeah. I, I think uh, Rui is obviously a very mobile, brilliant player. Maybe start with Rui, Luatira and Fitzharding at number eight. We've obviously chatted about, you know, previously about the lack of game time Dan Thomas has had and is, is, we couldn't see any reason why, but maybe he'll be on the bench or even in starting with, with that with, uh, instead of Luatira. Well, let's, let, let's face it, it's been three weeks since we last played, so... yeah. Anybody that had a little niggle or maybe was a bit tired, there shouldn't be any excuses, no. really, should there? No, I don't believe so. But when I shouted, all right, Steve, he turned around and tripped over a branch. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I just... Pulled his hammy. Oh, I just put my head down <laughs> and drove on. I'm, sorry, I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah. No, I I, I think probably Sinclair, Sinclair in um, and, uh, and maybe Atwood. Um, yeah. Other than that, maybe uh, pretty similar to that that Leicester pack. Pete, if I come to you, what what do you think we'll see in the packs? I think that we. I'm trying to think. He played last time. It was Andy Arendt started, didn't he? And Harry came. I I would have thought we would. Uh, I reckon we'll do a. Maybe we'll go back to one of our hybrid scrum half situations where one starts and the other has a decent 
almost a half, mm. maybe. I mean, Andy Redden's coming back from injury, probably could do with just for, you know, for his body, just to do have a bit of a run out. So I don't know. It's hard to say who'll start. I suspect Andy Redden might start actually, just thinking about it. But um, I think Shido. I mean, the reports are Tiff's off to France, isn't it? And we we assume uh, that they you know, probably he's gone. So probably. And I, I think I think at this point as well. Um, you know, we're recording this on Sunday night. Uh, the the retain yeah. and release list will be out next week because Pat's yeah. always made a big thing of those players that mm-hmm. are leaving to yeah. have some kind of presentation. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. so I don't know if that's going to affect the team selection, but I think by the time we get to the game, we'll, we'll know, know who's we'll staying, know. Who's, who's definitely going. I think you. I think uh, I, I think Sheedy will play fly off. I think O'Connor will be one of the centres. Um, I think that um, Jack Bates maybe maybe get another start at centre because yeah. he outside centre because he you know that based on that little little run and show and go he did in that uh, game against Leicester so maybe O'Connor Bates again yeah. Purdy I'd like to perhaps be on one of the wings and I think you know maybe Fricker on the other one we don't know what the status is with with Luke Morahan whether well, he's well I saw on social media on his Instagram account he was in Munich drinking beer with a load of blokes yeah. um, so I wonder if his season is his season over hamstring I mean you know I have a lot of sympathy for him he's got a yeah. weak hamstring as we know um, yeah. so you know we'd like to think I'd like to think that a little groin strain can't have been that serious because Piotr pulled out very late on you'd have thought yeah. as you rightly said if he's been doing the right thing and icing it properly, like I did with my hamstring, you know. No, it's his groin. It's his I, groin. You've got to be a bit more yeah, careful with putting your ice down. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's where I was going wrong. Um, I'd like to think Pietro will start. Last game of the season is our, our most well-paid player. So, yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with Purdy and Fricker on the wing. O'Connor and Bates at centre. Uren and Sheedy, which is basically what we is that pretty much what we started at Leicester, no, wasn't it? Yeah, the last. <laughs> I think for, we had Lloyd on instead of Peter. We had Lloyd. Oh, Lloyd. Yeah. yeah, so he's Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. And spare bear. I think he'll be a spare bear. I think I think it's interesting as well because you've got to say maybe some of these players uh, like Sir Randall, um, who's, who's not been great mm-hmm. since he's come back from the Six yeah. Nations. Uh, is he playing for a place on the summer tour yeah. with England? Uh, same with Sheedy. Um, I'm not sure where Wales uh, are, are going, uh, but you know, is he is he got something mm. to prove in these last mm. couple of games? So uh, certainly will be interesting. Uh, and actually, now by the uh, Pete, breaking Pete's, news, breaking news, Pete's iPad. Have we uh, confirmation of that stat that was wildly thrown in by Miles? Uh, but we need to hang our heads in shame, Tony, because it was on the official Bristol Bears Twitter account, which, of course, I assume that you, never look every, you look at every day, Tony, as pod host. And I know I should, but I haven't. So I've missed past me why Miles is right. However, it's an interesting little... Oh, sorry, it's an interesting announcement. It says 1,000-plus new season ticket holders, and then it says more than 8,500 already sold, which makes me think that we've lost... If if we've got eight hundred five and that includes one thousand new people, that's two thousand five hundred who haven't renewed from last year. See what I mean? If we had ten thousand, yeah. so they've they've wrapped up the fact that we may have lost two and a half two, two and a half yeah, thousand yeah. Uh, season ticket holders with a bit of. Uh, with a bit of what you would, I think I could see Tony's look. Look at his eyes; he loves that bit of spin. That love a bit of on spin. You love a bit of bit, and it's it's uh, bear country bouncing next season. A bit of alliteration always goes down well when you're marketing. Big Charles Piertow on there, so uh, assumes again, just reminding us that uh, saying, we're yeah. going to be cut spending another mil <laughs> million quid on outside next the year. cap. Though, outside right. the cap, um, funky funky font. So I've seen this. Yeah, good. yeah. It's a, no, it's a, that's that's interesting to see that, that they have made that statement, and you yeah. would logically think that uh, you know how many are going to renew now between mm. now and yeah. um, you know if, you, if you're going to do it. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I was pretty much on there and boom with it yeah, the first few yeah. days. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's other. You, can, I mean, stats can always be dug deeper into, and you could say out of that thousand new ones. I mean, how many of them are? 
juniors you know we don't know it could be uh it could be a few kids i mean and that's great Mm. but you know it's uh there's all sorts of questions below stats and more than eight thousand five hundred. it's like saying only 199 it's like well is it yeah more why not say 8504 yeah yeah i i know from my pr that that 8005 more than 8500 means there's a fraction over <laughs> yeah, exactly um but, so, but that's encouraging that, isn't it it, it is encouraging yeah. after the season that we've had yeah. and that probably beats the season tickets from Two yeah, years ago, yeah. I think so, and um, beats the season tickets of a lot of clubs in the Premiership. Yeah, so yeah, and actually it goes back to what we said at the beginning is, and your point you made is that it, I think that means there is a lot to play for on Friday night because if there are a few waverers, because there's clearly, well, there's clearly two thousand five hundred people going on Friday if they go with their season tickets who haven't made their mind up yet. Mm, so yeah. potentially a good game, a good result, a good atmosphere. It could be... Uh, well, you know the fans that they've lost yeah. are the people who have been on social media all season saying they can't manage Friday, Friday nights. Yeah. And there's another one. Yeah. So they're the probably yeah. the people who not, now are looking... At, it's, it's been not very great value for yeah. money for them and they're the people who yeah. probably... I, understandably. And it's, so. I mean, it's a bit unfair on the club because yeah. as far as I understand, it's not a club's fault, is it, that they're put on Friday nights? Or is it, Tony? I well, can see you, looking at you raising your glasses there in a kind of thoughtful way. I, I, I don't know. I, I think... Yes, we've been selected for a lot of games. Um, but I, I think if the club really wanted to, there could have been more of a balance mm. um, between between Fridays, Sundays uh, and even Saturdays. It seems like they don't want to play Saturdays at all now. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we, we've had so many or so few games on Saturday or Sunday, oh, it, re- it really is, uh, you know, for people that maybe have younger kids or family commitments or work away, it does make things difficult. Having said that, all those combination rugby players that play on Saturday do do get an opportunity to come to the game. So, uh, well well done, uh, Miles, for yeah, plucking... For reading Twitter for once. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, well, at least what, it's, only, that. it's only because you've actually you know, accepted the, or you've actually bothered like loading in the Bristol Bears Twitter feed. I mean, I'm still waiting, my friend. It's still pending for you, Miles, I think. <laughs> you still haven't, you still haven't well, accepted my friend well, I think request. I see some I know what, people who yeah. like your yeah. tweet. So there's no need to, Pete. I get the, I get second-hand information. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's move along then, chaps. Let's go for predictions. Oh, uh, Lee's not here. Miles, I feel you should probably. I feel like I feel like I might give the most sort of uh, balanced uh, yeah. view of Lee's prediction. Do you do that? But first, I'll come to Pete. Um, Pete, your thoughts and score prediction for the game on Friday. I think it will be a close one. Uh, I think it could be a bit like the uh, Gloucester game we played, wasn't it? And I've got a feeling we might our forwards are going to step up a little bit and, and be a bit tighter. So I, I'm going to go for the win and I'm going to go for a, a kind of 28-26 win to Bristol. But it's going to be a nail-biter and it's going to, it's not going to be particularly relaxing. OK, uh, Miles, give me your prediction and then give okay. me Lee's. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the home win. Obviously, we are Bristol fans. It's a very tight one. I'm going to go for 24-23. Very narrow victory. Mm. Um, I, I think Lee he's a little bit more pessimistic really He, I don't think he's expecting many tries I think it's going to go 3-0 to Bristol just one penalty 3-0 so yeah. look all of you going for the home win uh, I'm, I'm going to be the bar humbug yeah. I think Exeter have got something to play for we haven't uh, I think it'll be an entertaining game <clears throat> but I'm going to go for a uh, 31-24 victory for Exeter um, I I just can't quite see us yeah. pulling this one round uh, I hope I'm wrong um, well, as we languish towards the bottom of the table uh, in a disappointing season mm-hmm. uh, the Bears women's team has, uh, has had a particularly good season um, uh, it was Saturday the 7th of May they played their big game down at Ashton Gate uh, in front of more than 4,100 people um, in fact it was 4,101 um, uh, unfortunately they lost 43-26 to Harlequins but uh, uh, 
This Saturday, they had their final league game of the season away at Exeter. A narrow defeat, 29-26. But that does mean that they have qualified for the playoffs in third place. Uh, and uh, they will face Exeter once more at Sandy Park uh, next Sunday. Sunday the 22nd of May, and it's a, a 4.30pm kickoff. Uh, Pete, let me come to you. Um the, the, the women's team have really turned it around this season, haven't they? Yeah, and I think that's to do with Dave Ward coming in, having alignment with what's going on with the rest of the club, training up at the uh, HPC. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's it's shown. I mean, obviously having a couple of really good players in there, some internationals, and um, and I think it's great. I think it's a great thing. And I think it... It, it reminds it, it should remind us that despite the ups and downs of this season the trials and tribulations fundamentally there is a structure within Bristol Rugby now across age groups and, and across the two genders which is encouraging uh, and, it, and, it, and it looks professional and it looks good so you know it's going to be a tough assignment down, uh, down at Exeter but I was just glancing at the table and I know it's a bit harsh but I was looking at who came last it was Darlington Moden Park Shots sadly they lost all 18 games um, What's the points difference? With a points differential of, of minus 1,171. <laughs> they scored 63 points all season and they conceded 1,240. But i got to say, fair play to those those players who, who probably realised quite early on in the season that they were different different level, you know, must be a much more amateurish sort of setup and and obviously kept going. So um, you know, let's 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 also remember the fact that Bristol can't finish third if there isn't a fixtures to complete and all that sort of stuff. So mm. uh, and some team didn't do quite so well. So that's a bit of shout out for all the girls of uh, ladies of Darlington Moden Park Sharks. <laughs> Absolutely. Miles did you want to come in? Yeah, I think, um, oh, it's been a tremendous league, hasn't it? I just reiterate, Pete, Dave Ward seems to have made a huge difference, hasn't he, up there in, in, in training the women. There'll be some cracking games. I mean, that crowd was just brilliant, really, in Ashton Gate. Was it, was it just more than 4,000? Oh, you said uh, that. Yeah, 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 I missed absolutely. that game. Yeah. Well, I, I, alas, we all had commitments, you know, with our family and partners. We, we would have liked to have gone that weekend. But, I mean, what a close result this weekend. And that's really inspiring to hear, isn't it? The fact that there's just a three-point difference in down in Sandy Park, uh, returning there next Sunday. And that is sounds like a very winnable game, doesn't it? Uh, very even, Stevens. I mean, that's going to be a really, you know, a great game. Hopefully they'll sell loads of tickets down there, get lots of Bristol fans down and let Bristol get through to the semi-finals. Any luck? Well, this is the semi-final. Oh, sorry, the final. The final. Yeah, final. Sorry, yeah, through to the final. We're having a mare, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they beat Chiefs. Um, yeah, so good luck to the women. They've had a great season. Okay, well, I mean, yes, good luck to the women's team next season. And now we've got an interview with Kira Edwards, and uh, it's it's linked actually to that story or our discussions about the women's team. So uh, let's listen to that now. And we've got a guest on Bears Beyond the Gate this episode today, and it's uh, in fact an old friend of mine, Kira Edwards. Kira, welcome to the show. Hi, Tony. Thank you for having me. Now, Kira, you have a, a special place amongst our listeners. I know you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, uh, but uh, tell us about um, how we've helped you in a, a couple of things you've done over the last couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was a. Uh training for the London Marathon before before the pandemic and then felt like I was training for it forever because it got cancelled and moved back. Um, but I eventually ran it. Well, I've run it twice now, so I eventually ran it virtually in the October of 2020. So I ran from Bristol to Bath and back again <laughs> on the bike path. Um, and I always run to kind of podcast to keep me going. I know other people jog to music, but... It, you know, three and a half hours is a four hours is a long time to run, so I'd, I'd rather stay engaged in podcasts. Um, and so that first London marathon that was between Bristol and Bath, uh, Bears Beyond the Gate was the first the first thing I listened to, so you kind of helped me get through that, and that was in the middle of the storm. Um, and then I eventually actually ran it in kind of real life along the streets of London this year, um, and Bears Beyond the Gate made it onto the playlist again, so 
feel under marathon to you guys and your uh, chat has just helped me get through. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I think that's the closest I've ever been to running the London Marathon. And I know Pete, with his dodgy <laughs> knee, he'll, he'll, he'll claim that for himself, actually, that he's uh, he's had a bit of success on the London Marathon course. But um, you, you, you haven't been in Bristol um, uh, that much for the last year. Um, maybe tell the listeners what uh, what you've been up to. Absolutely. So I uh, decided to take a bit of a, a radical uh, change in, in, in life decision and, and stopped working to, to go back to school or go back to university and do a master's. So for the last year, I've been doing a master's in uh, sports management, politics and international development um, at Loughborough University um, with the hope to kind of go into the, the sports sector afterwards. But yeah, it's been interesting going back to academia after a decade for sure. And uh, a very sporting university, and I would imagine uh, coming to the the summer months, it must be uh, dissertation time, is it? It is, unfortunately for me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think you've got an ask of our listeners as well. I have. um, Yeah, it would be brilliant, guys, if if anyone can help me out. So um, being a Stephen card holder of the Bears myself, an avid rugby fan, um, I decided to do my dissertation on on rugby so I was kind of sitting in a lecture just before Christmas on politics and sport and my lecturer was talking about women's sport and that kind of thing and it it hit me then that despite the fact that the Bears ladies were doing so well I'd never been to see a match of them and I was like oh why that's interesting um so then I went to see a a few matches and you know it's really if you guys have been up there it's you know it's really good to go up there and um and see them and even saw them the other day at Ashton Gate. But yeah, so um, decided then to have a think about, well, well, why haven't I, given I love rugby, Stephen Carlisle of the men, why haven't I been to see the women, especially right now when the women are doing so well and, uh, yeah, as we all know, we've been struggling a little bit from the men's side. Um, so I looked into that and then decided that I was going to write my dissertation on um, the women's elite game and um, from the point of view of, you know, fans and season card holders of the men's game and just try and gather perceptions and experiences um, of what people think of, of the women's elite, elite game. And the reason that's really important is there's some kind of historical research that suggests that fans of sports now that already established men's games whether that's football or rugby or whatever and those fans have a massive influence on on how the women's game is viewed and how it grows um and at the moment world rugby see the women's game as the biggest growth opportunity in the next decade and as, as we've all seen the last year even just at bears women with the international contracts for wales and you know selling over four thousand tickets at the stadium Ashton Gate the other day, it's all it's all kind of growing. Um, but what would be really helpful to kind of grow it a bit more and um, give it a bit more of an equal opportunity that we see some of the women's football now kind of getting is just to kind of understand why, um, what people think of it, you know, what people would like to change or, or add to the game or, or why they like it or why they don't. Um, and then it would kind of help grow the women's game in the future. So... That's what my dissertation is on. Um, and yeah, go on, Tony. Sorry. No, no, no. That that sounds fantastic. And I think you're absolutely right. The the the, the growth has been phenomenal, hasn't it? In the you know mm. just thinking back the last two or three years and the news now that England are going to have the Rugby World Cup uh, for women in uh, 2025. Um, so yeah. specifically, then, uh, what mm-hmm. what are you looking for for um, some of our listeners that are season card holders um, at mm-hmm. Ashton Gate to help you with your dissertation? Absolutely. So what would be really brilliant is if I could get um, four men and and four women who, as Tony said, are season card holders at the gate for the men's game, um, just to have come and have a bit of a chat with me in July. So it would be about a 20 to 30 minute chat and I'll just ask you a few questions. Um, which are pre-prepared um, and we just record that. And so, yeah, it's just a bit of a chat, an interview, and then that helps me collect that data um, and then I will kind of make that into my dissertation at the end, which will hopefully can be useful and I'll see if I can get it to, you know, Dave Ward and the, and the women at, uh, at the gate um, and anyone else in women's rugby sphere that can can make use of, of the research at the end of the day. Um, you guys would be anonymised as well, so... 
nothing to worry about there. But ultimately, it would just be a 20 to 30 minute chat with me um, at some point in July. OK. And just, just for me to clarify as well, you're happy for people that have either been to the Bristol Women or haven't been. You're mm-hmm. just looking for a cross-section of supporters to ask them about the game, regardless of how much they've, they've involved, been involved as a spectator thus far. Yeah, that's exactly right. So there's no need for you to have been to a women's game, um, or equally if you have, then that's great. Just a cross-section of supporters, you know, whether you've maybe seen five minutes in the Six Nations on the TV or, or you know, maybe you've bought a season card for next year for the women now, those are out too. But cross-section of supporters um, and just to have a, a chat about it and what your views and perceptions are, really. And uh, that's that's great. So if anybody could uh, help Kira, um, you know, we'd be grateful as a podcast. If you want to get in c- contact with us, you can uh, email your contact details to us at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. Contact us on Twitter or Facebook. And uh, we'll also post about this on our social media. And then we'll put you in contact with Kira. Uh, and hopefully she can uh, you can get some great interviews, Kira, with some of our listeners. Thanks very very much for coming on the podcast uh, one final thing will, will we see you down at uh, Ashton Gate on Friday for the Exeter game of course well we've got two big Exeter games on Friday haven't we so on Friday or this weekend we've got that one and then we've got the women's playoff on the Sunday also against Exeter a- absolutely and uh, a prediction are we going to see a Bears win against uh, the, the men's team oh <laughs> <laughs> put you on the spot I mean, I would love to say yes, but I'm not holding out too much hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's the last game of the season, so uh, it's always a, a, a good one to have a, a few ciders before and after. Kira, thanks for coming Absolutely. on the show. Wish you every luck with your dissertation, and uh, hopefully we'll get plenty of our listeners that will get in contact, uh, and then uh, you'll be able to interview them in the summer. Kira, thanks so much. Thanks very much, Tony. And uh, yeah, Kira uh, is an ex-work colleague of mine and uh, it's fantastic she's gone away and, and done this master's uh, with this particular interest now in her dissertation uh, around women's rugby. So I do hope if there are listeners out there, please do get in contact with us. You can drop us a direct message on Twitter, email us uh, at uh, bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. Leave a comment on Facebook and we'll we'll put uh, you in contact with Kira. Uh, and uh, as she say, 20 minutes or so. And uh, uh, for an interview in, in July to, to help her not only complete a dissertation, but it would be some great research into uh, the women's game, which actually hasn't had a huge amount of research into it. So uh, thank you, Kira, for, for getting in touch. And uh, it was great to hear that uh, Bears Beyond the Gate have uh, run the London Marathon, albeit in Kira's ears. <laughs> it's, it's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly for you, fella, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just, that, just thinking about that, it's starting to make my leg hurt. <laughs> <laughs> OK, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout... <laughs> and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh, Well, chaps, uh, quite a lot has happened since we last met. Um, And the rugby paper were reporting this morning in their edition uh, that there was a proposal that went to Premiership Rugby. It's not been verified by any other sources um, to see whether the clubs wanted to go back to a 7 million cap for next season. And according to the rugby paper, the majority said, no, we stick with the 5 million as previously planned. Uh, Pete, any any thoughts on that? Well, it was clearly more than six then who went for it, or more than seven. Uh, I think that it's a difficult one. I think it's... It, it looks increasingly clear that we're going to struggle as a, as English clubs next season for sure. When you see what some of the other clubs, you know, the other Irish clubs and the French clubs are like and some of the, the people that are leaving to the fact we're getting, you know, we're, we're losing at least two or three to French second division clubs that seem to have the money. And I think this is something we did argue even in lockdown, despite the issue with COVID, despite the fact that some clubs are struggling financially, this is a classic case of we're going we're, we're going down to the lowest common denominator. And, mm. you know, OK, it's a bit unfair if you're struggling, but 
doesn't mean you've got to spend seven million. It's up there, but if some clubs are able to do it, then it's got to be good for the good of the game. And we've got to remember that when this is, you know, this is about growing rugby as best we can. Um, and I just wonder if there's a little bit of self kind of interest in in one or two so called big clubs that hadn't managed the books very well, um, and are kind of a bit salty about it all. Um, and a bit uptight about the fact Bristol had such a good season and appeared to, you know, for once, looking like a sort of club that was up there. And I know we weren't, Steve Lansdowne was quite vocal about thinking that we shouldn't reduce the salary cap last time because of it devalues the product, to, to use mm. marketing terms. But it looks like it was pretty inevitable that's going to happen, mainly because people have probably cut their cloth accordingly now and you know, aren't in a position to go back up again for a bit. Yeah, I think so. And, 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 you know, I think absolutely, you know, vested interest to try and get it up, but also lots of vested interest to probably keep it down. If you're a, a Worcester, maybe, you know, uh, or a, a sale, actually, you know, why why give these big clubs that can spend up to the cap an extra two million? You know, the likes of Leicester and Gloucester, they've done pretty well this season. I know it's not fully rinsed out all the contract uh, status, but uh, clearly, uh, yeah, maybe people have done their business plans for two to three years on five million and and didn't want to suddenly start chasing things. So, uh, yeah, it looks like that uh, we're, we're, we're stuck with that until 2024. Well, one of the other big stories that broke miles while we were uh, taking our little break was the fact that Mark Tainton is standing down as CEO of Bristol Bears at the end of the season. Um, your, your thoughts on that announcement? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Sort of convenient timing. I forgot sort of which um, sort of media outlet um, broke the story first of all because I don't think it was the club first. I think that the, the Daily Telegraph suggested that he was going to step down that was um, it. because yeah. of the, uh, the, the, uh, the six players that uh, weren't released and their contracts rolled over for a third year. Absolutely. I mean, if that was if that was the case, we. You know, I think we all have chatted about this in previous podcasts. We podcasts. podcast that we, I, I think we felt that someone heads had to roll. I mean, I think I was pretty strong in saying that, wasn't you it? You're guilty now. Yeah, right? I'm yeah. guilty now. Look. And clearly, poor mate Mark Tainter's head has rolled literally out the door of the high performance centre. Not literally, because that would be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that would, would be, be really messy. And down the hill towards Bedminster. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I don't know, he appears to be the full guy in this sort of sorry situation. Whether he was naturally going to leave, I don't believe it. I don't think many fans do, really. It was a natural succession and he was on his way out anyway. There was clearly a contract mucker. If you believe the Telegraph, um, Pat probably has the ear of Steve Lansdowne and by all accounts, Mark Tainton does not. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's time for him to go. I mean, a bit sad. He's given so much to the club. Um, the years where we didn't have a manager, you know, post Andy Robinson years, he stepped up to that position uh, with great value for the club, a, a, a Bristolian through and through. And it is a sad day, but we wish him very well in his next adventure. And Pete, let me come to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody can question Mark's, uh, what he's done for the club, both on the pitch and off the pitch, uh, uh, as far as the, the playing side. Um, but, I saw an interesting tweet uh, about about this. Actually, was he cut out to be CEO? Are there lots of things still around the club off the pitch hmm. that does feel, and we talked about it on the podcast, yeah. maybe a bit amateurish? Yeah, and I, and I think I hesitate to, to, to speak kind of badly of, of, of a situation that I, I don't have the facts, but I think I can only speculate, and I know where you're pushing me there, Tone. And I, and I, I kind of agree. I mean, if, I think if you maybe look at some of the other chief executives around the premiership and I, I'm thinking of the guy at Harlequins Dalrymple who's, who's very active and very active on social media and very I've seen it, they did a very good um, fans forum thing that they live streamed on Facebook and uh, you know I, I just think that 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 role is that some clubs it's a very very independent role at the CEO I have this sense that Mark was in that position as a as a sort of as part of a wider team of people, if I, if I put it that way. Um, and perhaps he didn't quite have the kind of 
the decision making power or the the or the the kind of the, the oomph to to do that that perhaps others do and and maybe on what I'm trying to say is that maybe you know there he didn't he wasn't he didn't have quite as much power as as others that's what I'm trying to say and maybe other people does do have more power <laughs> <laughs> wow. you get what I'm saying well, yeah. well, I'll leave that hanging listeners try and work that out which also is an interesting point about accountability though as well that you know I I, I okay let's say I can't believe Pat didn't know what's doesn't know what's going on in the club everywhere mm-hmm. so clearly someone has to go when there is some sort of error but I, I would be surprised to think that it was all Mark Tatum's fault completely although he would probably have final responsibility for it so someone clearly, you know, that it is the clear the guy that if he has had to go because of these these errors, or maybe it is, it's just a natural time where it's now time to push on and, and do new things in the future, and so forth. Yeah, no, I think I I think it's it's interesting. I I had a look at Mark's CV on his LinkedIn account, and really, uh, you know, since his playing days, he's done a lot of coaching. He's been head coaches at places, lots of. Mm kind of rugby consultancy but he's never really had the experience that maybe a CEO for a multi-million um, turnover business mm. and I do wonder in some ways with with sports clubs actually do you need, do you need a CEO that's a bit divorced from the playing side of things mm. that is actually the focus is about uh, you know how we operate how much money we make how we uh, let's face it we're the consumers in this case uh, how we look after our, our consumers mm. and customers. So uh, I think it'd be fascinating mm. to see who they appoint a CEO. Uh, and in many ways, I do hope it's someone not associated with the club. It's well, someone that's that's got a background yeah. of actually running a good business. I mean, I saw some sort of chatter that it, it might be Tom Tainton, who obviously is his, not his son, it's his, it's his nephew. But I did see some social media suggestions that he might be in the running because he... I mean, he got promoted up to head of operations mm. from head of media. I mean, there can't be much for, can't many, many more steps to go before CEO. So who knows? It, it, and then, of course, that would go against what you just said, Tone. Although, you know, Tom Tainton, as we know, we have a little bit of a mm. connection with Tom. He's been very good to us for certain things. He's a very, very personable, very competent individual. Mm. Um, but, but the one thing he doesn't have on his CV, I guess, is, as you say, corporate experience. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what how that goes. Yeah, but uh, uh, whichever way it goes, you know, I think Mark Tainton is a club legend. Let's mm. not, yeah. let's not forget what he did on the pitch. I think he's our all-time mm. leading point scorer. And uh, as you said, Miles, when Andy Robinson departed, mm. stepped into the breach. So uh, you can't knock his commitment to the club. Um, and we wish him the very best uh, for the future. Now, another bit of news that broke last week. I mean, we talked about John Afoa leaving, who was our scrum coach. Uh, and uh, I, I noted down with interest that Worcester have released Mark Irish. Um, so um, I wonder whether we can put two and two together and get five. But, uh, you know, Miles, do you see him as a potential contender to come back to Bristol? Or do you think once you've been at a club, you know, it's, it's better not to come back? Um, no, I, I, personally, I don't see why he shouldn't return. I mean, he was, a, you know, a great advocate for the club, did, did well here. Um, Worcester's not a million miles away, is it? He may have not even relocated up there. Um, clearly that... Um, uh, since Steve Diamond has come in, many paths have sort of uh, crossed, haven't they? And probably a bit like Jonathan Thomas, uh, been sort of uh, not got on. Maybe we should should we just leave it at that? And he's decided to leave the club. We desperately need a scrum coach. Um, he knows the setup. You know things have changed slightly, but um, he's a free agent. So I would say go for the two and two makes five and snap him up. Why not? Put it this way, if you're a, if you're a betting man, betting person, betting woman, I mean, you'd say that was a pretty good bet. Yeah. You know, just, I remember the odds are fairly short. We mm. don't know, but it seems, seems, uh, if it seems like a reasonable speculation that, um, I mean, he went with Jonathan Thomas, didn't he? To yes. Worcester. Correct. Mm. So clearly he's part of the Thomas regime. Yeah. Thomas is not there. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll 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 follow that with interest. Whether yeah, we'll yeah. know about the coaching setup until maybe a, a, a little bit later in the year. 
Uh, I mean, the other big story, and again, this was broke by the Daily Telegraph that did the same for the, the Mark Tainton um, story, was um, the alleged criticism of uh, Bristol's training regime. They talked about a Twitter account that uh, has since been deleted called Grind Rugby, where it's believed it was an insider in the club uh, had been tweeting about some of the training methods. And I'm going to quote a couple of bits from the Telegraph article. One of them was, Pat wants five minutes detraining a week to focus on attack. Absolute BS. And the other quote, but all Pat wants to do is train attack and not even at pace or with enthusiasm. He's killing everyone in the squad. Pete, let me come to you. Um, speculation in the Telegraph as well about who that account might have been by, yeah. which has been denied. Um, but I think as fans, we found that something didn't seem quite right because of the performances. How much credence do you give to this this story? Well, I think also in that article, it wasn't it Dave Atwood was... They, they're suggesting that Dave Atwood was one of the ones who who had commented to say that it was oddly accurate. Uh, and that was perhaps when it raised eyebrows that there was some sort of insider. I mean, it, who knows? I mean, it, unless anybody owns up to it, uh, it doesn't have to be the defence coach doing it. It could be someone else who, you know, it could be a physio or it could be a, you know, could be, um, could be, uh, could be anyone. So... Can we, just, can we just say it's not us? No, you say, well, you know, I mean, despite us. the fact we are clearly up the high no, performance I mean, centre all the, the time, a, yeah. Well, you know, hiding in those our, bushes, yeah, with the telescope. There is a member of our podcast missing this evening. Uh, uh, we're discussing the story of there being a mole, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I think, uh, well, I mean, there's always a bit of, there's no smoke without fire with these 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 <laughs> accounts somewhere. Um, so, I, 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 I mean, it's a, I imagine. It kind of fits with the narrative of what's been going on this season. Mm. And, and I think John Ofoa did make some comment early in the season on some podcast. I think it might have been one of the, the Good, the Bad and the Rugby podcast about not getting enough time for scrummaging practice. Although that might have been a, a diversion tactic by him very early in the season when he realised that he wasn't really good enough <laughs> to be a scrum coach. No offence, John, sorry. Um so, I don't know. I mean, I guess when things don't go right, you're always going to get little bits and bobs like this. And mm. I'm sure Pat, I think Pat's, hasn't he said he doesn't look at social media? So um, I'm mm. sure he's not worried about it. And uh, what can you do? I mean, have we got a, is there a kind of a fake account for Bears Beyond the Gate <laughs> criticises us? I've seen this at Filthy Rig. Seems to be, uh, yeah. Can, seems to be sometimes a bit critical of uh, Miles's punditry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miles, your, your thoughts on the article? Well, yeah, it's you know it, it's a bit sad that really it comes so soon after really doesn't it after sort of um, contract gate mm -hmm. that really um, I mean the 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 club media team must be. It, it, must be despair in despair really that the fact that the season has been there's no buttering this up has there the season has been an absolute car crash I think most fans would probably agree compared to where we were last season we did not see the fall from first down the tenth uh, from, a, from a mile away so what with that we discussed it you know at length that uh, something's gone wrong this season Heads have dropped, uh, and we cannot figure out as fans really why we've been shipping so many tries this season compared to being, I think, third fewest last season. I think the article suggests, doesn't it? To maybe third most this season in one season. So things aren't right at the club, um, and you know, people have the right to criticise when things aren't right. We don't know if this is an insider, but it's suggested it is. Um, and it seems to point the finger at defence in which ours has been pretty lacklustre. Um, but it's a shame it's come out yet again. We you know, decided to get rid of Mark Tainton. Another bad press article for the club. Um, not at a, a, a time when we're trying to encourage people to buy season tickets. Mm. Um, Although we have got more than 8,500. Uh, indeed, yes. So it, it, it perhaps hasn't been as damaging. But it's, I, I think off the field this season... 
I don't know. I haven't read a lot, seen a lot of bad press about other clubs, but things haven't really been working for Bristol on and off the pitch. Well, it certainly seems that the Daily Telegraph reporter has got someone <laughs> on the inside. Yeah, yeah, I suggested yeah. it might be his Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we, got... shall, we shall wait and see, as I say. I think it'd be fascinating to see the coaching lineup for next yeah, season. Absolutely. We know we need a new scrum coach, but will uh, will there be any other changes there? Well, that's nearly it for this week, but um, also there was the announcement from World, World Rugby uh, that England will host the Women's uh, Rugby World Cup in 2025, which would be fantastic. Um, that That's one I'll certainly look forward to. And then the next Men's World Cups will be in Australia in 2027. Uh, USA 2031 and those two respectively will host the Women's World Cup uh, two years after they host the Men's World Cup so I'm just going to go to each of you now we've got the, the Rugby World Cup in France we've got one in Australia and we've got in one in the US if you could choose one to go to which one would it be? and I'm going to go to Pete first well I'd probably say Australia, although all knives. I mean, it's nice to go. I'd, I'd prefer to go to a World Cup in New Zealand, to be honest, mm. of all places, because or South Africa, a real rugby hotbed country. I mean, the trouble with Australia, it's it's only really popular in one of the states, and USA, it's it's going to be quite a, a novelty. And France, it was just virtually impossible to get a ticket because the website kept crashing. Um, so I think out of the three, I think, in, to be honest, by the 2031, given the state of my legs, I don't think I'll be even able to walk to the and get off a plane, let alone like and watch any game. So an assistance, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm America. It depends. What, actually, to be honest, with America, with the USA, it depends where they decide to to play some of the games because that might be a, a a clinching point. I mean, if it's like if it's like. Uh, um, somewhere like Cleveland or somewhere, something mm. ex-industrial city, maybe not. But if it was uh, if it's San Francisco or Miami or uh, yeah, I might be a bit keener on it. So well, I do. I, I, I do apologise to our yeah. Cleveland, yeah. Uh, Ohio. I'm trying to think of the Rust Belt. Yeah, yeah. that you know. Some, oh yeah, you know. I'm sure it's uh, it's uh, it's very nice. Actually, I've been to Cleveland. To be honest, it's got a massive. American fo- student American football stadium I did see once but well, they, 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 they've certainly got the stadium yeah, they yeah, have yeah they got the stadium um, Chicago that'd be good actually mm-hmm. having said that there are quite actually now I'm talking myself into America <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to book it now uh, and what about you then, Miles? Uh, France, Australia, or the US? No, no I'm going to go for the uh, despite the, the uh, ticket muck up. Um, I'd probably go for the easier option of just flitting down to France, to Paris in a couple of hours, really, and you can do that do that trip in one weekend. Saying that, I mean, you're right with the USA. I mean, if they had any, you know, marketing know-how, they would put some of these games in some of the huge NFL cities, wouldn't they? Um, and trying to attract those fans, there's not, I don't think there's a great rugby-watching uh, fraternity in the US, but you bang some of these games out in some of these huge cities where there's an NFL and basketball, why not? I mean, it could be a huge, um, you know, just, a just huge opportunity it. to market, you know, a ball of a similar shape to the NFL yeah. fans, and uh, why not? I mean, but don't you, it's a difficult, you're, it's a good point you made, but I also think, would that be a bit, confu- would it be a, almost a negative, a bit confusing? Because if you're so ingrained in American football, you'd just be watching <laughs> rugby and thinking... Why do they keep running sideways all the time and then why don't they pass, pass, pass it forward? Why just pass it forward? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I and then and it's like why isn't there a break every ten minutes yeah. or all this sort of stuff? I, I mean, it's a, it's a bit risky because you're you're going to a, a, a place which has already got a game that is very well ensconced. Yeah, yeah. So is the alternative argument you you take it somewhere? Well, you're you're probably going to take it somewhere where there is this is to use a big geography word, sort of European diaspora. So you, you take it somewhere Ooh. where there's large Italian American populations or large Irish American populations or large, you know, a diaspora being when you have groups of people from originally from other countries um, and go to certain places or cities where you've got that and you're playing it a bit safer there because you're going to be guaranteed there's going to mm. be a bit of interest in it. Whereas if you take it to somewhere which is very heavily American football, but... 
and then try and kind of market so rugby. You, it's, 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 it's difficult. Yeah. So What you can guarantee is that in the US, there'll be an awful lot of travelling fans yeah. compared to the local interest of, of watching the rugby, whereas it's not really the sort of a rugby-playing nation yeah. I would describe it as, would you? Yeah. No, I mean, from my point of view, I, I was lucky enough to be in Australia for the group games in 2003, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Uh but I actually would quite fancy the US because yeah. I think the the opportunity to travel around, see some of these big mm. college or NFL mm. stadiums uh, would, would would be incredible. And uh, uh, I think you're right. You would you would get the, the, the lots of people that are live in the US that would be able to to see top quality rugby for the first time. That are those expats that yeah. live there from Australia, from New yeah. Zealand, from England, from France. So uh, I think I, I might sneakily yeah. go for 2031 in the US, but uh, we shall wait and see. If it's like getting tickets for France, uh, <laughs> then uh, mm. we'll probably be watching it at home on uh, BBC mm. or, or some satellite station by then. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been great to be back together. Um, but that is it for this show. If you like what you've heard, listeners, please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Exeter game. Until then, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Briz. <laughs>